Good evening, everyone. All right. Hey, um, I, you know, before we get into the, the message tonight and uh, what we're doing, you know, we're calling this Ability Weekend, and we've got all kinds of cool stuff. We have some special guests here tonight. Um, I want you to know, um, throughout the weekend, we are calling this a no-shush zone because we might have some friends that are in the audience that, uh, you know, they, uh, they may be extra loud, and you're not allowed to go shh, okay? So um, if you do, we'll look at you and go shh back. So don't do that. It's a no-shush zone, and uh, it's just going to be an awesome, awesome time tonight. And before we get into it, though, I do want, I want to highlight a couple things that are coming up. If you are new to Clovis Hills or you are new in your faith, if you are new in your faith, I want to invite you to our 101 Connect class. Um, I teach that. It's a great way to kind of get um, an elementary version of Christianity and find out where the church is going and, and what's important about that. And I'm going to be teaching it this Tuesday night at 6.30 in um, the lobby of our main auditorium over there. So I would love to have you there. If you're interested in going, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can either fill out your Connect card on paper um, or you can do it via the app and send it in. Either way, when the offering comes, you can drop it in there. And then there's one other thing. It's a cool opportunity for our church. And I, um, it wasn't in the announcements or anything because we just found out about it yesterday. But our um, military, we have an awesome military ministry here at Clovis Hills. And um, Clovis West High School called, uh, I believe, Go Eagles, I guess. I, I coach for the Broncos, so, so which is a shame as a Charger fan. I have to wear a Broncos shirt. But anyways, um, the Clo- Clovis West called our military ministry uh, yesterday, and they asked if he, we could find a hundred Clovis Hellions, Hillions to um, show up at their halftime and do the flag, like bring the flag out on the whole field. So is that right, Renee? Am I, am I saying it right? For the national anthem, and there's a huge giant flag. So it's the beginning of the game. So if you don't like football, you can leave afterwards. So if you would be interested in being part of that, that would be an awesome thing if our church could rally 100 people. What a great statement it says to our um, community. Um, there will be a couple thousand people there at the game. It will be awesome. Uh, no streaking allowed. Okay, don't do that. You need to have clothes on when you do it. But um, if you are interested in that, uh, Renee, how do we get hooked up with that? What, what do we do? He'll be at the table right out those doors. And, he'll, yeah, he'll contact you with all the information. So I would encourage you to do that. I actually would be there, but I am coaching that night at another place, and the team that I help coach would probably kill me if I showed up at Clovis West. So anyways, I want to uh, encourage you guys to do that. So tonight, uh, the scripture reading is going to come out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. My friend Rick is going to come up, and he's, he's going to read from God's word. And um, as he's coming up, I want, I want you to know something. Uh, because it's Ability Sunday, we're, we're going to be talking about the body of Christ and how the body of Christ functions. There's different, um, there's different parts of the body. The bodies all do different things. Some are outward parts, right? Like if um, your eyeball, everyone sees your eyes, and eyes are important, but can you live without eyes? Yes. But what about your heart? No one sees your heart. You can't live without that thing. So I would love it if you're able to, to stand in honor of God's word, and we, we will read. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted. 
them to be if they were all one part where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. But I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think of as honorable, we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable we treat with special modesty. While our pre presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving great honor, greater honor to those parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that each of the parts should have equal concern for each other. This is the word of the Lord for us. See, there's um there's there's this incredible concept in scripture, and it's called unity in diversity. I want you to think about that. The body of Christ is so diverse, and there's so many different types of people in the body of Christ, and all of us have different gifts, and, um, and, and somehow we're all so different, but together we make up this one body, and there's a unity in our diversity. And, um, you know, Pastor Steve and I were, were joking about it before service, actually, because he was like, what? You're leading worship and you're preaching? How do you do that? And for me, like, that's like just something kind of natural to do. But um, if I were to set out and, and, and map something out and, and, and lay out a linear timeline and plan it really well, I would start at A and then jump to Z instantly. And that's something where Steve um, has more of an engineer's mind and God has equipped him that way. And every one of us are very different. Now, I have a question for those of you that are married. How many of you married someone that's extremely different than you, personality-wise? Yeah, me too. That's why most of you have never met my wife. Anyways, <laughs> she, you know, she doesn't want to be on stage. She doesn't want to be up front. Uh, she feels her calling from God is as a teacher. She teaches first grade. And um, she loves the Lord. And she comes to church. And she serves in children's ministry. And she said, I'll marry you, but don't put me on stage ever, please. So I, though, am an extrovert. And I love being on stage. And listen to me. Listen to me. And it kind of works that way. But see, that's how the body of Christ works. And see, um. As, as we read from it, it said, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. See, there, there's times when we look at um, people in the body of Christ, and it's typically the people with the upfront gifts that we give the most honor to. We say, oh, the preacher. I could never preach like that, the preacher or the worship leader. And we think that serving God is only preaching and leading worship. But if... I've reminded you a hundred times, who's the church? You're all the church. You don't go to church. You are the church. And, and really, the body of Christ is at best function when it's out in the community being the church. 
And, and this is how it works. So um, a couple years ago, I had um, someone come up to me, her, her, Lauren Ann, and, and she, was, uh, she is our youth pastor. Actually, he's our children's pastor's wife. And she came to me and she said, Sean, I, I, I've, got, I've got a dream. I've got an idea. I want to start a ministry for uh, kids with special needs. And really, it'd be to families with special needs. And I said, well, you know, do we, how many families do we have with special needs? And she said, maybe one or two. And I thought to myself, wow, a whole ministry for just, you know, two families. And then she said, but listen, there are unreached people groups. Most pe- families with special needs don't, aren't able to go to church because children's ministries don't know how to minister to these kids. And, and she got my attention when I heard that, that they're an unreached people group in our own city. See, sometimes we, um, you know, we train missionaries up and send them out into uh, Papua New Guinea. And they, they, they come into these unreached people groups that have never heard the gospel. They don't have a written language. They don't have any of that. And we think of unreached people groups as in the jungle somewhere. And it never dawned on me that in the concrete jungle that we live in, called the suburbs of North Fresno and, and uh, Clovis, that there would be an unreached people group. So I have a theory. I said, Lauren, if you can get a team, we'll do it. Because I believe this, if you have a dream and you can pull together a team, I'm all for trying it, especially if it's going to reach people for Jesus. Um, you, know, you know, you could come to me and be like, hey, I want to I start a, a, a motorcycle riding ministry and, um, you know, we want to reach bikers and, and the biker culture. And I would say, okay, pull a team together and, and get your dream on paper and figure, tell me how you're going to do it. And you come back, we'll launch it. Because here's the deal. This church is all about helping people that are far from God connect with Him, grow, and then serve. And that's what we're here to do. So um, tonight, I want to invite my friend Lauren up. And she, she launched our, um, our special needs ministry. And she is also, I don't know what your title is. Come on up. Come on up. Um, That's good. Okay, they know what they're doing. Yeah. So, so Lauren, what it like? What is your position right now at, at Johnny? Actually, first and foremost, tell everyone what Johnny and Friends is, because she works for Johnny and Friends, and the, it's an amazing ministry. Sure. So I work for a nonprofit here in Fresno called Johnny and Friends. Does anyone here? Has anyone ever heard of Johnny Erickson Tata? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Lots of you. Okay. I work for her. Um, so she is down in Los Angeles at our home office. And there is an area ministry here in Fresno. And the, pr- the goal of Johnny and Friends is to equip Christ-honoring churches to effectively evangelize and disciple families who are affected by disability. And so we go around and we train churches on how to have ministries dedicated to serving families affected by disability. Okay, so, so that's Johnny and Friends. Johnny Erickson taught us. She spoke here actually, uh, was it two years ago or last year? Uh, it was almost it was two years ago. Two years, two years ago, ago, she spoke here. If you don't know who she is, um, when she was 16 years old, she was uh, she dove into a, a shallow end of a or a lake, yep, right? Off a dock. Off off a dock into a lake, broke her neck, and became a quadriplegic. And um, she was very bitter with with and angry at God, but um, somehow in the midst of of all of that, 
um, she found hope in him, and she began to uh, to minister. She she paints with her feet or with her mouth. I mean, no. I'm sorry, with her mouth. That was someone else. Paints with her mouth. She writes books. She speaks. Um, she's just incredible presence and um, just a testimony of someone who's um, quadriplegic, but but just brings Christ everywhere around the world, not just to disabled people, but, but to, to able-bodied people too, and um, just an inspiration. When she was here, she, she, she blew my mind. So one of the reasons we had brought her here was uh, because we had this special needs ministry, and she said, I'll come because you have a special needs ministry, and I want to help shake the trees for you and get some volunteers for it. So, so, so talk, talk about how this ministry, we call it Tandem, by the way, yeah. how it came about. You, yeah. you want to share kind of your vision So for I, uh, a few years ago, was working as a school psychologist in Sanger Unified, and um, I really only ever worked with kids with disabilities at work. I didn't really think about kids with disabilities outside of my job. And I was at work late one night typing up a psych report, something I did far too frequently, um, and it's the one and only time I really truly believe I heard the voice of God. And he said, uh, Lauren, why aren't these kids that you work with every single day at your church? Why don't you see kids at church with disabilities? You need to start a ministry. And um, I contacted a friend of mine who I knew had adult siblings who had Down syndrome, and they were very heavily involved in their church to ask how they did it, and they put me into contact with Johnny and Friends. I wasn't working there at the time. And Johnny and Friends came to Clovis Hills and taught us how to, well, they taught me and, and my kind of core group of team how to get this off the ground and how to talk with leadership. And unfortunately, I didn't do any of that. I kind of breezed by Sean's, poor Sean, Sean's office one day and said, hey, Sean, I'm going to start a ministry for people with special needs. Bye. <laughs> and uh, then he leaned out and said, well, hey, come on, come on back and told me all of that stuff I needed to know. But the reason for that was twofold. Number one, I didn't know how to say, uh, well, Jesus told me to without sounding crazy. Um, and number two, I didn't want him to tell me no. Um, I had heard horror stories um, as I was getting trained and learning about the world of disability in Fresno and Clovis of other churches who had uh, told people no. And so I was nervous, but I didn't get that response at all. The church here was absolutely incredible. Leadership was asking me what I needed. Uh, children's pastor, not my husband at the time, uh, was asking what I needed, asking me to come and train volunteers. It was absolutely incredible. Um, I had the most stunning volunteers come out of the woodwork, uh, volunteers that ministry leaders just dream of. As some of them are in the audience, Lizzie Greer, Megan Rood, I don't know, other people might be here, uh, are just, just people that you would dream of, always there, every single weekend. What can they do? How can they serve? Um, and as you can imagine, if you build it, they will come. There are people out there who are just craving to be a part of a church community and can't because of either physical or attitudinal barriers that churches uh, sometimes can put forth. And we went from serving the two families who were already here at Clovis Hills to serving 23 families in just over a year and a half. Um, Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, praise God. And it came together so beautifully in that way that I just, you know it's of God. You know it's something that is pleasing the Lord, that we, our church is choosing to respond to this need, and he in turn blessed this ministry. Uh, so we called ourselves Tandem, which the reason for that was a, a cool company let me use their cool logo. So I was like, well, I have to call it Tandem now because I get to use this cool logo. 
but the definition of tandem is an arrangement of individuals all lined up behind one another, all facing the same direction and working together to reach a common goal. And the mission of our ministry, and I wrote it down so I didn't mess it up, um, is to empower people of all abilities to in participate in the church community and seek wholeness in Christ church by promoting full inclusion and allowing families with special needs complete access to all church activities. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so how can this church community um, re really, um, or other church communities, get respond to people with disabilities? Like, how, how can they reach out to them and yes. respond? Yes, so it's sometimes difficult to come to terms with your own thoughts about people affected by disability and just kind of bask in that awkwardness for a minute. Um, <laughs> I have to do it myself. I've worked with families affected by disability, and you still, it's hard to come to terms with your own vulnerability because coming face-to-face -face with a child with severe autism or an adult with Down syndrome can make us feel uncomfortable, and that's okay. I think that we frequently, when we read the Bible, we overlook how often our God chooses to use the vulnerable uh, for the sake of bringing wholeness to a community. And so we need to just be okay with feeling a little bit vulnerable and, and choosing to, um, to form relationship. There's an amazing speaker. His name is uh, Dr. Eric Carter of Vanderbilt University. And he did this study on what he called the dimensions of belonging for a family affected by disability. How can a family affected by disability feel like they belong at a church? And those 10 dimensions are this, to be present, to be invited, to be welcomed, known, accepted, supported, cared for, befriended, needed, and loved. Now, some of those are unique to special needs families, right? To be present means that they have physical access to a building, that they can get their wheelchair into a building, or that their child with autism will be supported in a children's ministry. Um, there's a, a really cool um, article online that says one of the things that disables a disabled person the most is not their disability, but the attitudes of other people. And so to feel like they can walk into a church and be welcome and belong there. So some of those dimensions are unique to special needs families, but others aren't much different than your family and my family need, right? To, to feel known and accepted, to be missed on a Sunday morning, to get a phone call, where, where were you? I didn't see you this weekend. To just say hello when they're walking into church, um, to ask what they need or how they can be supported. Um, they're not much different than your family or mine. Yeah. You know, one of the, the two families that we had originally, you, you may not know this, but uh, Pastor Joseph, uh, his son, Elijah, is a Down syndrome. I don't call it Down syndrome. I call it Up syndrome because every time that kid comes in the room, the whole room goes, yeah, Elijah's here. He's just such a fun kid and such, such a neat kid. So what if someone wants to get involved in tandem? Like, let's say um, there's a family out there that has a child with special needs or a person with special needs. Or what if um, someone in the congregation wants to get involved serving in it? Like, do they need to be a special ed teacher to serve in no, this? No, absolutely not. Very few of our volunteers. So I have about 30 volunteers, and I could always use more. I would love 1,000 volunteers. Um, but only maybe 15% of them have any background at all with special needs. Um, the only thing you need to be a volunteer in tandem is a loving heart and a willingness to be uh, very, very flexible. So um, that's about it tonight. If you're interested in getting involved or if you know a family who has a child with a disability that you would love to invite them to church, but you just weren't sure that we had what they needed, um, there's a cool statistic. One in every eight houses just
just in your neighborhood has someone who's affected by disability. And so they are your neighbors. Um, knock on their door, invite them to church. Outside, there's a table for tandem ministry. You can get, my cell phone is on all of that paperwork. You can call me, text me, email me, uh, and let me know. There's also a sign-up sheet if you're interested in becoming a volunteer. Uh, we do do a training for that, um, but you can sign up to be a volunteer, or you can take a flyer with you, and you can pass it out to those families. There's also a Johnny and Friends table if you're interested in things that are outside of church, volunteering or serving, or if you know a family that would love to go to, like, family camp or have a respite day. All of that information is on the tables outside. That's awesome. Well, let's give it up for Lauren Annan. Thank you, Lauren. So I want to um, just kind of dovetail what she's talking about. You know, Jesus, well, a lot, a lot of times in our, in our culture, um, you know, we, we, end up, we feel bad for someone with a disability rather than treat them like a normal person. And, and there, there's, this, there's this awkwardness because we don't know what to say and we don't know what to do and we don't want to stare and we don't want to do that. And here's what I, I would love for our church that when you see someone um, walk on our campus and they have some sort of disability, um, whether it's physical or mental or uh, whatever it is, that you would go out of your way to smile at them and say hi. Um, in, in our culture, many times, um, and it's not because people are bad, they just don't know what to do, so they look away a lot. Imagine if you could connect with them. You know, Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 14, see, he was having dinner at a Pharisee's house. And all these, you know, I don't know if you've ever tried to jockey to, like, meet someone or sit next to someone or be next to someone. You know, I remember uh, when I first met my wife, uh, she came into church. I was like, whoa, who's that? You know, that was kind of, like, the first time I had ever seen her. And my buddy's like, oh, that's Kelly Lusk. I'm going to ask her out. And I was like, yeah, Chance, you're a loser. Um, I didn't say that to him. I was just thinking that. And, um, you know, he was too chicken. I knew he was. So... I jockeyed my way into the crowd of the church and sat right behind her like a total creeper, right? So I knew the pastor would say, hey, turn around and shake your neighbor's hand. She'd turn around and be like, hey, how you doing? You know, that kind of thing. So Jesus is having this meal, and they're all kind of jockeying to sit at the head of the table. And, and, and power was based on where you sat at the table. Your social status was where you sat at the table. See, we live in a world that worships power. And the more powerful you become, the more important you become, and the more people look to you, and the more, more things you can do. And actually, our culture thinks that power is what changes things. That's why we have politicians that spend billions of dollars to try and get into power, because they think they'll change things. Now, what the Bible says, Jesus always flips it upside down. He says, no, no, obtaining power won't change anything. As a matter of fact, most politicians, right, they uh, obtain power, and the only change we have left is this. We don't even have that kind of change in our pockets. So they're all jockeying for positions, and Je Jesus tells them, hey, when you're, at, when you're at a dinner like this, you should go sit at the last table. And the whole time, throughout the scriptures, he's been talking about how the first will be last and the last will be first. That our power is made, or his power is made perfect in our weakness. 
See, but that's not how we're taught, though. We're taught that, you know, the stronger you are, the more important you are, the, the, the more valuable you are to our culture. And Jesus came and completely flipped it on his head. And then he said, he told a story. And I love when Jesus tells stories because he, he tells these stories to, to really mess with, with you and, and mess with the social systems of the time and to mess with the theology of the time. And rather than just plain saying it, he'd always leave it in a story. And um, he tells this story. He said, when one of those at the table heard him, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, well, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready, right? So the banquet's set. They've got the table, the, the placemats. They've got the china out. They've got the caterers there. You know, they've killed the fattened lamb. I mean, it's ready. The party is there. You know, and I want you to think about it. Most of these places where Jesus was speaking, they were all very small villages. They were fishing villages around the Sea of Galilee. All right? So when someone threw a banquet, that was like a once-a-year thing. And usually if you threw a banquet, it was once in a lifetime you threw a banquet. Usually it was for a wedding or for something. So when there was a banquet, everyone was like, oh. And if you didn't get invited to the banquet, this is the way it would work in the Middle East, you would still go. You would just stand outside their house and watch. So there would be this whole crowd watching all of these people eat. As a matter of fact, while Jesus was at the table telling this story, there would have been hundreds of people outside the patio looking in, watching, the eyes peering in, listening to what he's saying. And then he says this in verse 18. He says, come, for everything is now ready. In verse 18 he says, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field, and I must go see it. Please excuse me. The second, or another, another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, well, I just got married. You know, I can't come. See, we're super good. And creating excuses for why not to follow God. Why not to come to the banquet table. Why not to be in the presence of God. Um, we're not much different. It's, oh, I got a lot of yard work this week, right? I got to go check my land out. Or, oh, um, my kids have soccer and volleyball and, and fishing and ballet and underwater basket weaving and um, underwater welding classes this weekend, and we're just swamped, you know, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm just as guilty of that, I spent all day today at a football game, and the reason I'm here tonight is because it's my job, I, I, you know, but, but I want you to understand something, it is so easy, especially, like, parents, you guys can probably attest to this, to get caught up in the kind of, the crazy whirlwind that today's education system will get you in to where we spend all this time making our students or our, our children great athletes and, and, and great scholars, college scholarships, that we ignored their soul. We ignored their soul. 
and they turn 18 or 19, and they no longer they don't have a relationship with God. But man, you know they could they could kick a goal from 30 yards out. You should see their footwork in soccer. You should see how high they can get over the net with a spike. You should see their GPA. They got a 4.5. I graduated not summa cum laude, but thank you, Lord. And it says still another said, I just got married. And sometimes we let relationships get in the way of following God. We let all kinds of things, if we're really honest. And then look what it says in verse 21. The servant came back and he reported to his, to his master. And then the owner, you know, basically he told him, look, they all had excuses. One's married. I don't know why he can't come because he's married. The other's got some oxen. I don't know. And then the other one said he's got to check his land out. Then the owner of the house became very angry, and he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets, the alleys of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. And the master told his servant, then go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you that not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. See, what Jesus was trying to tell us was that, you know, he's, he's called you to, to, to this life, to, really to the party. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but the kingdom of God uh, really is a party. It, it, it's... it's it's this thing that, that he's, a life that he's called you to, that when you look at the life the world wants you to live and the world compels you to live, it basically flips it upside down. And it's this in, incredible life that is, that is set out for you. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. And see, Jesus has called you to the party. But, but what's so easy for us to do is to begin making excuses because if we come to the party, then we're, we might miss out on something. If, 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 we, if we surrendered our life to Jesus, well, I might have to give up this. Or I might have to surrender that. Or what about this thing that, that I hold? I don't know how I could live without that. And see, he's, he's called you to the party. But here's the interesting thing. Well, you know, when they made the excuses, Jesus said, fine. Or the master said, fine. Go get all the people that the world doesn't value. See, because in, in those days, if you were born with a disability, you were considered stricken by God. That, that was how it worked. As a matter of fact, in most cultures that aren't Christian, that's still the case. When um, the team from India goes to Calcutta, you will see people with severe disabilities, and no one will even look at them or talk to them because they believe that in another life, they were bad people, and that's why they're stricken with a disability. And, and see, it was Jesus that said, listen, if they're all going to make excuses, I'm, I, I'm going to flip it upside down. And the people that the world doesn't value, they're the highest valued in the world. The guy at the back of the bus is really at the front of the bus for me. The guy at the worst seat of the table is the greatest. You know, and when I was talking to Lauren about this, this weekend that we're going to do, it's called, you know, Ability Weekend, um, she, she pointed out, she goes, you know, I've had the hardest time getting other churches to, to like, buy in to reaching 
people with disabilities. And I thought, oh, man. And it's not like they're bad people or anything like that. They're good-hearted people. They love the Lord. But they're missing out that God has on the party. Because I can tell you this. There's all kinds of people out there that the world doesn't value that one day when we stand before God, you know, I get to preach a sermon to lots of people, and people go, oh, Pastor, you're so great. You're so godly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know. Um, a lot of people in this world, I'm going to be carrying their stuff in heaven. The Bible says that when you stand before God at the end of your life, if you're a Christian, you'll be rewarded. It says you're going to get crowns. We don't know really what that looks like. You know, maybe it is like you get actual crowns. I don't know. Maybe it's some kind of monetary system or whatever, whatever it is. But I know this. Um, I probably won't have a lot of crowns because I get a lot of honor in this world. My guess is I'm going to have a wheelbarrow full of crowns. I'm going to be carrying them for Rick. I'm going to be carrying them for Dave Love. I'm going to be carrying them for, for, for those that maybe kind of sit in the shadows and serve. Tony Campolo tells a story. He has a famous sermon. It's probably my favorite sermon of all times. It's called The Kingdom of God is a Party. And see, This whole passage, Jesus just flipped power and importance upside down. He says, listen, those that are least are first in my kingdom. So he's, he tells us in, in, in this, passage, or in this uh, sermon he preaches about this same passage, he tells a story. He was in Hawaii, and um, he's from Philadelphia, so there's a big time difference. And, you know, because of the jet lag and all that, uh, he, was he was supposed to speak at a church in Hawaii. He woke up at 3 in the morning. You ever have those times where you just wake up and you're just wide awake and you can't sleep? So he, uh, you know, paced around his hotel, and he said, I can't stand anymore. It's, I'm in Hawaii. I might as well go, go for a walk outside. So he goes for a walk at 3 in the morning around the streets of Honolulu, and he finds, like, this little greasy spoon restaurant, right? And it's, it's open. And he's like, oh, I'll go in. I'll have coffee and a donut, you know, get my day going. So he goes in. He sits down. He orders a cup of coffee. He gets a donut. He's minding his own business. And then, um, ar you know, around 3.34 in the morning, in come some ladies of the evening, if you know what I'm talking about. The oldest profession. I'm trying to keep this G-rated for you guys, okay? They came in, and they sat at the, the counter next to him, and they began talking. And um, their language was filthy. And they talked about how their evening went that night. And he was mildly disgusted, as he's a minister of the gospel, and just couldn't believe they were talking like that. But then he heard one of them, and they kept calling her Agnes. And she said, oh, tomorrow's my birthday. Tomorrow's my birthday. And the other one started picking on her. What do, you what do we care if it's your birthday? What, do you want a birthday cake? Who cares? No one cares about you. Birthday, how old are you, 100? What? You know, they're picking on her. She goes, hey, hey, back off. I've never had a birthday party in my life anyways. I don't need any help from you. And, you know, and they changed the subject and moved on. And he sat there, and they left after they ate. And he just sat, and the... Um, the waitress came to the thing, and he goes, hey, do they come in here every night? She goes, yeah, I'm really sorry about them, you know. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, do, do you know them? She's like, yeah. He goes, do you know tomorrow's Agnes's birthday? And she, you know, the waitress is like, yeah, yeah, so. He goes, well, I heard her say she's never had a party in her life. What if we throw a surprise party for her tomorrow night? And she went, hold on. She runs to the back, and she grabs, you know, her husband, who's the cook. They own the restaurant together. He comes out, and she goes, this guy wants to throw a party, a birthday party for Agnes tomorrow night. And he goes, I'll bake the cake. She goes, 
you know, I'll, I'll go and I'll talk to all, I'll talk to all her lady friends and, and tell them to come early. And he says, I'll get the party supplies. So the next night he gets there, one in the morning, they set up a surprise birthday party, streamers, all the stuff, um, all the ladies of the evening, and, and they all come in early, you know, ahead of time. They got off work early, I guess, and <laughs> they all come in, and they've got the cake, and around 3 a.m. she opens the door, and the candles are lit, and they're holding the cake, and she walks in, and they start singing, happy birthday to you, and they're singing happy birthday, and she just turns pale, and she goes, I'll be right back, and she ran out, and they're standing there with the cake, and the, oh, and actually, I'm sorry, she took the cake out of their hands, and she ran out the door, and yelled, I'll be right back, so they're all standing there, and they're like, what the, so this guy, Campolo, says, well, maybe we should say a prayer for Agnes right now, so they all got in a circle, a minister of the gospel, and a bunch of prostitutes. And they began to pray for Agnes. She came back with her mom. She was so overwhelmed, with the cake too, by the way. She was so overwhelmed by what they had done for her. And she was blown away. And as the party's going on, um, Dr. Campolo's just kind of watching, just kind of, watching it, and the language is foul, and it's just a salty place to be, just the kind of place Jesus would love to be, right? And the cook comes up to him and goes, hey, Campolo, you didn't tell me you're a preacher? He goes, well, he goes, what kind of church do you preach at? And he looked at him right in the eye, and he goes, one that throws birthday parties for whores at 3 a.m. in the morning. And he goes, no, you're not. No, you're not. That church doesn't exist because I would go to that church. I would go to that church. Guys, do you understand what the body of Christ is? This is a place where we can welcome anyone in. People that have been cast out by society, people that are ignored by our society. I mean, I know we live in the suburbs and we're all supposed to look normal and we're all supposed to think we're better than each other and um, I know all of you, you go to Walmart and you judge each other. You're like, man, I'm glad I'm not like that person. And they're looking at you going, man, you're at Walmart. I'm glad you're not like that person. But anyways. But Jesus, his party isn't for the important people. It's for the least of these on this planet. Because he thinks they're the most important ones. And I know we're caught up in an election right now. And I know a lot of people have put a lot of weight in it, but I want you to know something. I don't think Jesus, I think he's more concerned about other people than those that are vying for power. I, I, I truly believe that. And no politician will ever bring hope to this country. You guys are the hope of the world. God has no other plan. He has no other plan. We're the ones that are going to bring hope to the poor, to the sick, to the outcast, to the disabled, to those that maybe culture shuns, you guys are the hope of the world, and you carry that hope in you everywhere you go. So um, tonight's sermon isn't to guilt you into serving in the special needs ministry. That's not for everyone. I want you to understand that. Although Lauren's like, no, it is. Shut up. Um, 
It, it, it isn't, but I want you to know something. If God's calling you to it, don't close it out. You'd be blown away with what God will do with it. And um, guys, you are the body, and God has given you a gift to serve in the body somehow. You just have to work the courage up to start trying and figuring it out. You may start somewhere and realize, oh, that's not for me. I'm terrible at that. You may serve in tandem and be like, oh, I'm, t- I, I'm mean. I, I sh- probably shouldn't work with, I keep making the poor little gowns boy cry. Um, then, yeah, you probably shouldn't. But, hey, you might be great in the homeless ministry. You might be great as a, well, if you're mean, you won't be a great greeter either. Don't do that. You'd probably be good in administration. Administrative people aren't mean. I'm just kidding. But the, the, the point I make is all of you have gifts that God wants to use to reach the world around us. He has no other plan but you and I. So I'll end it with this. Here's the deal. You know, we're, we're talking about, you know, disabilities a lot this weekend. But here's the truth of the matter. All of us have abilities and disabilities. That's, that's really what's going on in this room. All of us are good at things. All of us are bad at things. But I do know this. Every one of us, the Bible is very clear that every one of us spiritually have been separated from God. You can't walk with God without Jesus. You can, you can be as good a person as you want. You can serve. You can go to church. You can read your Bible. You can, you can give money. You can do all that good stuff. But unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you, you can't really walk with God. You're just faking it. Because what's happened is you and I have been spiritually separated from God because of our sin. And, and if you're really honest, because sometimes I have to search myself too, like even in my good deeds, even in the good things I'm doing, there's always a sinful, selfish motive. Deep down inside, I can't walk with God. Apart from Jesus. And the Bible says this. That as many as received him. To them he's become children of God. That you receive Jesus. One of my favorite things that Jesus did when he healed people. Especially someone who was crippled. Is he would look at them and he would say get up and walk. Get up and walk. And here's why. Because they had to make the effort as well. They had laid there their whole life. And then he tells them you're healed. Get up and walk. They had to take an act of faith and begin to try and walk. It's the same with you. If you've been spiritually separated from God by your sin, here's what I want you to know. You can invite Christ into your life right now. And the Bible says that if you receive him, you become a child of God. That if you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So if, if you would tonight, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes and pray. Lord, I, I thank you, Father, um, that even though we were, we were separated from you, Lord, that, that I, I couldn't walk with you. I, I was spiritually separated with, from you, Lord, that you called me by name, Lord. You knocked at the door of my heart. And, Father, um, just by that simple act of faith of asking you to forgive my sins, I began a relationship with you, Lord, and I thank you for that. And, Father, I pray for anyone that's here tonight that, that maybe they've been separated from you by their sin. That tonight they, they would, in faith, lay down their way of doing life. And in faith, even if they don't know how to follow you, they would open their heart to you and say, Lord God, I need you. I realize that my sin has separated me from you. Come into my life and make me the person you want me to be. 
Father, there's some of us that are here tonight that we have a relationship with you. But somewhere along the way, we stopped walking with you. And your voice has grown distant. It's grown quiet and our hearts have grown cold. I pray tonight, Father, that you would take our hearts of stone and turn them back into hearts of flesh. And we want to come home to you tonight, Lord. And Father, I thank you that your kingdom is a party and that you've invited, you've flipped it upside down, that the powerful and the wise and the important get to sit at the back of the bus, Lord. And you take the weaker parts of the body and you make them the most important. You take the parts of the body that, that no one wants to look at, but you make them the most important. So we thank you for that, Lord, and we love you. We praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.